Hello, it's David here. The Leader brings you news, interviews, analysis and features every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you're always up to date. And please give us a rating on your podcast provider too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The lockdown cancer time bomb revealed. These figures are a direct result of the lockdown and of patients' fear of coronavirus, either of contracting it or of feeling that they've been a burden to the NHS or don't want to be a burden. Our health editor Ross Lydell on why cancer has become the forgotten sea during the coronavirus pandemic. And... It does feel that it needs to tell the story about race in a way that's mediated by a young white girl. I didn't ever feel that I needed to have the story told to me that way. Best-selling author Lauren Wilkinson, one of Barack Obama's favourites, is To Kill a Mockingbird still relevant 60 years after publication. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, how lockdowns hit cancer care. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Evening Standards discovered thousands of Londoners are missing urgent cancer checks because of the coronavirus lockdown. A study in conjunction with Macmillan Cancer Support and the Breast Cancer Now Charities has shown the number of people seeking a two-week hospital referral in May was down 53% on the same time last year. The figures for those starting life-saving or extending treatments is also down. That's by 35%. Our editorial columns concerned COVID-19 will claim more victims than just those infected by the virus itself. These worrying figures are another indication of the potentially catastrophic, but until now largely overlooked, consequences of the coronavirus lockdown. Our research shows, for example, that there has been a 50% drop in London patients being sent for examination for fast-spreading melanoma and a 47% drop in breast cancer checks, which equates to 3,000 fewer women having suspicious lumps examined. 
All this is deeply troubling and indicates that lives that might have been saved will instead be lost, depriving children of parents and many others of loved ones unnecessarily. Our health editor Ross Lydell is with me now. Ross, some of the figures you've uncovered on cancer care and treatment are astonishing. Is the lockdown entirely to blame for what's happening? Yes, the, these figures are a direct result of the lockdown and of patients' fear of coronavirus, either of contracting it or of feeling that they've been a burden to the NHS or don't want to be a burden, so are staying away from their GP and therefore not getting referred to hospital for these cancer checks. But this is this is genuinely putting people's lives at risk. Yes. What is well known is that if you have cancer, the longer you wait to be treated, the worse the cancer gets. So that's the basic thing. The second thing to say is that only about 7% of people who may have suspected cancer are actually found subsequently to have cancer. So it's a small proportion of the number who would normally get checked. But there are concerns that some people will be affected by this, particularly those have faster acting cancers than other, such as some prostate cancers are particularly fast growing. Pancreatic cancer is particularly aggressive and similarly for some breast cancers. And this is why campaigners are worried that cancer has become the forgotten sea in the COVID-19 pandemic. Their point really is that while the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, is busy encouraging us all to go and eat out, they're saying saying actually a far more meaningful thing would be to make sure that the NHS has as much help as possible to get all these checks going again. Because not only are patients frightened to go and get themselves checked, many investigations for cancer involve a camera going down your throat or into other areas, shall we say, Uh, and it's a a difficult and also potentially dangerous procedure at present because of the risk of coronavirus being spread between patients and staff. So really there has to be efforts made to increase the diagnostic test again as safely as possible and as quickly as possible and also to tackle the backlog because what's happened really since March is that you've got thousands who would normally be seen each month The numbers are stacking up month after month after month. These figures are just for May, but we're obviously now in July and there's no sign that things are getting substantially better as we speak. And it's not only the case that patients are not going for checks. We also know too from these figures that actually the number of surgeries or treatments are also down as well once people are actually diagnosed with cancer. And you can read more from Ross on the Evening Standards front page or online at standard.co.uk. Next. Sure, it holds up. And, you know, I think that a lot of people really love it for reasons of nostalgia and because it's a, it's a great novel. But there are a lot of really great novels that also tackle uh, similar themes. American spy author Lauren Wilkinson on the legacy of To Kill a Mockingbird. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
60 years ago, a book was published that would go on to be hailed as one of the great American novels and influenced discussion on race relations all over the world. When he gave us our air rifles, Atticus wouldn't teach us to shoot. Uncle Jack instructed us in the rudiments thereof. He said Atticus wasn't interested in guns. Atticus said to Jem one day, I'd rather you shot at tin cans in the backyard, but I know you'll go after birds. Shoot all the blue jays you want if you can't hit them, but remember it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. That was the only time I heard Atticus say it was a sin to do something. Bonnie Christian spoke to black author Lauren Wilkinson, whose bestseller American Spy was named by Barack Obama as one of his favourite books of last year. It's the 60th anniversary of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. It's managed to enjoy this enduring popularity. Why do you think that is? I think that Scout is a very compelling character. And I think that it's it's a very American thing to use a young uh, female character to be the lens through which to look at a serious story about uh, racial inequality. I think that that makes a lot of sense for the way that Americans like to tell stories. You know, it's, she's, she's very palatable. It's an uncomfortable political story, but we get it through someone who a lot of Americans really, really identify with or feel they could. And do you think this novel holds up or resonates in today's world, particularly right now against the backdrop of the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, I never really was a big, that big of a fan of it, to be totally honest with you. I was assigned it in seventh grade, didn't read it, got a D in that class because I didn't read it. Um, then I finally read it as an adult and, you know, I didn't, um, it, it, because of what I was saying, because it does feel that it needs to tell the story about, um, about race in a way that's mediated by a young white girl. I didn't ever feel that I needed to have the story told to me that way. Sure, it holds up. And, you know, I think that a lot of people really love it for reasons of nostalgia and because it's a, it's a great novel of itself. But there are a lot of really great novels that also tackle uh, similar themes that I think are just as valuable, if not more so, you know, contemporary ones, ones that were, you know, published around the same time by black authors. So you mentioned there that there's plenty of black writers from that time who depict similar themes who would be worth reading. Are there any that stand out to you? Well, you know, just things that grapple with race in a different way that are around the same time, just off the top of my head. Another Country by James Baldwin. Uh, I think that was published in 62, so maybe two years after. A book I always recommend to people because it's one of my favorites is Passing by Nella Larson. Way earlier, uh, 1929, but earlier and it feels very present. feels like the way that it's tackling race uh, could have been written much more recently. Um, Invisible Man. You know, there's a bunch of works from around that time that were really doing interesting things. And today, I mean, you know, I, I, I have a couple of friends who've written really great books that I always think people should check out. Jamel Brinkley wrote a, a book of short stories called A Lucky Man that um, really discusses, you know, black life in America. Um, my friend Nafisa wrote Heads of the Colored People, also a book of short stories that both of their work is just really exciting to me. I wanted to talk to you about your own book, American Spy, that'll be released next week. It follows the story of a black woman working in a white male-dominated world. What would you hope for readers to take from the themes that you raise in the book? I mean, you know, the book is written in about, set in around 1985, um, but I think it's still very relevant and modern. You know, I used the past to talk about 
social and racial dynamics that I feel are very present today. So um, most people who, who read the book, I think, pick up on that. So I feel, <laughs> you know, I did what I, I set out to do, you know. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest breaking news at standard.co.uk. And on Monday morning, why not try our audio news bulletins? Just ask your smart speaker for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back on Monday afternoon at 4pm. <laughs>